0: Welcome, everyone, to the Big Kids Show. My name is Marcellus Mark, and as usual, we're joined by two of your favorite Big Kids, Big Nick and Mister B. Today, boys and girls, we will be playing Rankem. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is where us Big Kids pick a topic, place votes, and put them into the Big Kid computer, where the most complex algorithms known to man scramble the information and print out a recipe for a Royale with cheese. Change that. Wrong algorithm. Anyway, <laughs> we will present the results of our votes in the ever-popular countdown to number one. A reminder here that no one knows the outcome of the rankings today, except for myself and the big kid computer. Mm-hmm. So basically, Big Nick and Mr. B are completely clueless in more way than one. <laughs> Just kidding, guys. Oh. I love you. Ouch. Before we get in too deep, big kids, if you haven't already, subscribe, give us a ranking, look us up on social media, send us your thoughts, ideas, criticisms, what you think of Mr. B, etc. <laughs> All right, now I need to introduce you to a man that needs no introduction, but I'm going to do it anyway. That man is Mr. Quentin Jerome Tarantino. Born in Knoxville, Tennessee, Tarantino is known for his beautiful mind and his unique film creations. He's a classic storyteller, and as a director, has created masterpiece after masterpiece. He's someone who isn't afraid to push the boundaries, whether it's a heist movie with characters named after the colors of the rainbow, an alternate history story involving the assassination of Nazi Germany leadership, or eight people snowed in together in a cozy cabin. Tarantino's films are always unique and fall far from the same formula used by many popular films. Now to be clear, we will be discussing the top movies that Tarantino has directed. This means we won't be including some of the classics where he has the screen he's been the screenwriter or even played an acting role in the movie alone. Pretty amazing that you have to put conditions on a simple rankum list, but Tarantino <laughs> is just that talented of a guy. He does seem to do it all. So, that gives us 10 options to choose from. We will be discussing the top 6 of his films. So, Votes have been tallied. We're happy to present to you the top-ranked Quentin Tarantino directed films that have ever graced the big screen or little screen depending on your budget. <laughs> so, guys, how we doing today? Wonderful. 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 <laughs> Say what again? Say what again? All right, well, let's hop right in. So, we got this six six top choices to go through here, and where we're going to start, gentlemen, the big kid computer has told me that The Hateful Eight has made it as our number six film. Mm -hmm. So anybody who is not familiar with The Hateful Eight, I'm going to give you a little bit of a quick summary. This is one of the, I guess, newer from a Tarantino perspective. So while racing toward the town of Red Rock in post-Civil War Wyoming, bounty hunter John the Hangman Ruth, played by Kurt Russell, and his fugitive prisoner Jennifer Jason Leigh encounter another bounty hunter Samuel L. Jackson, of course, it's a Tarantino movie, mm-hmm. and he claims to be a sheriff. So they're hoping to find shelter from a blizzard. The group travels to a stagecoach stage stopover located on a mountain pass. They're greeted there by four strangers. The eight travelers soon learn that they may not make it to their destination after all. So this movie came out in 2015. Um, I looked it up. The cost was variable. I saw anywhere from 44 to $62 million. It made 156 and a half million. So it did pretty damn good. Um, so this is the first one on our list, gentlemen. What are you guys' thoughts?
1: Well, this one was incredible because it was it was interesting to see Kurt Russell. It was kind of his resurgence, I guess. And maybe he did a couple things before this that I just kind of missed out on. But for me, it was the first time in a while that I had seen Kurt Russell, and he sold the part. Uh, big time the 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 casting was great as always. I mean, Quentin Tarantino movies always have a great cast. Uh, we see familiar faces like Samuel L. Jackson, and then Tim Roth uh, is in it as well. And um, yeah, it's it's I want to say classic Tarantino, but when we look at, at how many movies he's done, he's done less movies than than. I thought than most of us thought uh, because he's been involved in so many projects in one way or another, but there's only a, a select handful that, that he's actually done. And um, I liked this one um, it, and it had the, the typical twists and turns that you, one would expect in a Tarantino film.
2: Yeah. It's one that, I mean, even 2015, it's been what, six years since I've watched it. And um, I mean, I, I would need to even go back and watch it again because I think there's stuff that I just kind of forgot. But I A, I just like Western type feel movies. I don't know why I yeah. I don't know where that came from. But I, I like those kind of movie feels. Um and I I like Kurt Russell. I just think he does a good job in Every role he plays. So
0: plus, he had a killer mustache in that movie. I don't
2: know <laughs> if you remember that. And, and that's the that's handlebar the side of it. was
0: strong. If I could grow a
2: handlebar mustache, I would rock it right the second.
0: Mm-hmm. That, that's the that's the mustache that looks like a lowrider bicycle handlebar upside down. I mean, it was Which, that massive. It
2: was badass, and just like his badass mustache in a Tombstone. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. So. You know, I know how much Big Nick loves fun facts. I'll throw Mm -hmm. a couple here at you. Um, The script was actually leaked for this ahead of the movie being made. So it was in 2014. There was a draft that got leaked online and it led to a major lawsuit. I won't mention the website that published it, but um, Tarantino was really upset about it and almost didn't make the movie. He actually thought about making it a novel instead of uh, going through with the movie. And, um, you know, luckily he had some people elbowing him, including uh, Red Samuel Jackson, you know, kind of saying, hey, you should do this anyway. But it did force him to change the ending. Now, I couldn't find out what he did originally, which kind of sucks. And I, I I don't know if I had trouble finding the script itself. So any listeners out there, you guys figure that out. I'd love to know because um, the ending was awesome. So I'm like, well, what else did he have up his yeah. sleeve? You know what I mean? Like. So that was interesting. The second one, and my and my only other one, is going to pain Mr. B. Mr. B, you might actually cry a little bit. Oh, no. Yeah. So <laughs> you guys remember the scene? I know Mr. B said it's been a little while since you've seen this one. The uh Daisy, so the one played by Jennifer Jason Lee, she's chained up, but she's playing an acoustic guitar and she like plays and sings a little song inside the cabin. I think it's like three quarters of the way through. Vaguely, yes. And it's actually on the uh the soundtrack. And <clears throat> basically the Martin Guitar Museum had given them that Ooh. guitar to be able to use, and then they gave them six replicas for the scene. Well, Kurt Russell didn't know of the the whole situation, oh, and no. for nobody doesn't know, he smashes the guitar in that scene. He smashed a forty thousand dollar antique oh, Martin guitar. <laughs> do you
2: did do you know what the guitar like? What it was?
0: Um, I was it didn't.
2: I couldn't like it was, find was out like, a,
0: specific details. It was probably um, an older one, is my guess. Yeah, I mean it was an antique one. So it definitely oh, it was my in God. the museum. It was in the Martin Museum. Oh my my heart Party hurts. foul. Yeah. So <laughs> if anybody goes back and rewatches that, uh Jennifer Jason Lee her reaction when he smashes the guitar is legitimately real <laughs> because she's like, "Holy shit, he just smashed this an I, antique I, I, guitar.
2: <laughs> I got to I have to rewatch it just for that then because Yeah. Yeah, I mean I love when they use original instruments and again yeah. if it, if that was a really old Mart guitar, I would imagine
0: whoever lent that was probably like I'm going to shoot everybody. <laughs> So, the Martin Guitar Museum after that refused to loan any guitars for <laughs> film production. Smart. So, basically, that was the last Martin guitar from a uh, guitar museum. I would imagine somebody from.
2: got fired that was on the set that was prop guy because yeah, you at least got to label that one, buddy, and put a sticker yeah. on it or something. <laughs> or yell cut and uh, stop Oh, my gosh. You're he, right. I I a single tear just came down my eye. I thought it would.
0: Big oh. neck, can of a tissue.
1: Well, All Michael right. Manson made his into this movie. And does Michael Madsen get any work outside of Tarantino movies? I mean, <laughs> well, we're going <gonna laughs> <question>. to find out. <laughs> I, right, right. I don't know that I see him in too many things other than Tarantino, uh, but he does a great job. And like I said, the, the typical casting uh, that you would expect to see in Tarantino movies. And you know what? These leaks happen. You know, I think I just yeah. did a little leaking myself at the top of the show. <laughs> <laughs> a little leak. Just a baby leak. Just a little. Uh. It was a little.
0: Well, and I'll okay. say about this one, so I actually just saw this one recently, so maybe mm-hmm. that biased my vote a little bit, but I just watched this, watched this one more probably fresh. In, the past, yeah, in the past six months, And um, but I, I will say it was a little slow to start, which isn't yep. completely unusual for certain parts of Tarantino movies, yep. he likes to be very elaborate with his scenes, so sometimes they can drag a little and it's usually not in a bad way it's to build you know but i, I do remember this one when i first started watching i was kind of like oh man this is It's like 30 minutes in i'm like what's going on but then once he gets at the cabin buckle up because yeah. no, <laughs> the tension ratchets oh very yeah. quickly it's
2: very very much his style where even you're like yeah. it's it's fast it's fast it's slow it's yeah. fast it's fast and then it gets weird so yeah exactly
0: <laughs> exactly <laughs> So, all right, so our number six, The Hateful Eight, awesome, awesome movie. All right, so let's move on to uh, our tie for number four. Oh, I will start tie. off with our first tie for number four, and that would be Django Unchained. Django! Django! Django. Django. Right,
2: <laughs> <silent>. Yes, the D <laughs> is silent. So Django Unchained, which film that was released December uh, 2012, Starring uh, our man, Jamie Foxx, Fox. Um, Christopher the Waltz, and Leonardo DiCaprio. And then also Kerry Washington and Samuel L. Jackson, of course, was in that of movie. Course. So I actually rewatched this one not too long ago as well, uh, Mark, which probably was what boosted it up my list. Yeah. And the it's, you know, movie filmed in the slavery times where... <coughs> Jamie Foxx is a slave. He happens to come across Christopher uh, Waltz's character, Dr. King Schultz, who is a bounty hunter. And he thinks this guy can help him find these other guys he wants to kill. Ends up basically granting him his freedom. And ultimately, to me, the movie, if you guys see it, it's a it's a love movie, a love story. Yeah. I, I know. Mean, I fell in love it. during it. Yeah. But <laughs> it's, you know, <laughs> again, Western theme, just like the, the previous one. It's one that h- had a lot of also criticism because of a lot of the way they predicted, you know, they showed slavery, uh, yeah. the use, the use of the N word was oh, pretty think, raw through the roof. I mean, I think it actually yeah. set records. It was like said like 116 times or something or, um, yeah,
1: it's a pretty I, raw I, movie, but beating I mean, out it, the first NWA album.
2: Oh, it, cr- <laughs> it crushed that album. I'm trying to see how many times it was actually. Can I, let me touch on that
1: real quick oh, ahead, before we move on. Um, there is a an interview with Jamie Foxx that I would highly recommend. It's from The Howard Stern Show. I don't know what year it would have been from. It's after the Django Unchained movie, so probably 2016, 2017 maybe. But one thing that I like about Jamie Foxx, like – and maybe you guys get the same impression about him. Like he's one of these guys and I don't know. I Yes, he's talented. Obviously he's great with music. He can sing. He's, you know, he's the quadruple threat. He can act, he can dance. He's funny, everything about him. He can, he can do it right. He does. He does everything better than most people do. it. And all wrapped up into one person, one package. It's, it's very interesting to me, but he's one of these guys that strikes me as he was going to be great. You know what I mean? Like even from a young age, like he's, he just comes off to me as the type of dude that if he walked in a room, even if he wasn't famous, if you didn't know who he was, if he walked into a room of a thousand people, he would be the one that would catch everybody's eye. That would be most memorable of everybody. He'd he'd be the most charming person in the room. Uh, So, so it was great to see him kind of rise to his stardom with this movie and with the Ray Charles movie. But the interview that he does with Howard Stern is 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 so great because he does a lot of impressions that I didn't know he could do, uh, and he you know he impersonates Prince and Samuel Jackson and maybe even Leonardo DiCaprio. But he's talking about the making of the movie, and he said that Leo had a big problem with the N word that he had trouble saying it during the filming. Yes, and uh, Samuel Jackson says to Leonardo DiCaprio, he goes, "Look." You might be having a trouble, you might be having trouble with this, but for the rest of us, this is just another Tuesday. Basically, wow. like he's like, you need to get it together Man. and just start using that no. word.
2: Yes, and that was because one of the quotes, I mean, I think he even said he said, as I can quote, motherfucker, this is just another Tuesday for us. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that was one of the things I read. I saw is that, I mean. Especially when you watch the film, I mean, it's just this casual racism is thrown around. So, yeah. you know, it's kind of even at first, it's a little jarring because you're like, oh, my God, well, yeah, it's kind of tough to watch. And but, uh, you know, and especially to see these huge actors doing it and you know, choosing to do it. I mean, if they accepted
0: these roles, it wasn't like they were forced to take these roles. So, yeah. What do you remember? What was the time period that that was set? That was is it 1800s? Late, late 1800s? Um, Similar to question. Hateful Eight?
2: up my records here. Because
0: Hateful Eight has somewhat similar. It's definitely not as extreme. It, start, as it
2: starts off in 1858.
0: Okay. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I mean, you know, look, obviously, you know, I'm a white guy here sitting here saying this. But at the same time, I think it, when you see a movie like that and you do see how casually that word is used, it shows you how far we've come from that time where that type of thing wasn't a big deal to say back then. Whereas today, we we scoff at it. And I think there's some power in seeing how it's used then to, to understand how ridiculous it is that it was used that way. And I think that's a lot of what Tarantino and those guys were going for, you know what I mean, is the fact that, you know, this was how it used to be. And that doesn't mean it should have been that way.
1: Yes, but Tarantino movies do commonly have a lot of racial slurs uh oh, and, and not and he, just he, not just he, toward black people or or even white people but i mean uh, cr- across the board i mean and a lot of times his movies you're dealing with unsavory characters right that's what yeah. the whole movie is made up of of usually criminals and bad people and so to assume that bad people speak any 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 other way would
2: be ridiculous
0: yeah that's yeah. true
2: well and it's again very Tarantino thing of if you've watched the film, I mean, it's these beautiful landscapes Mm -hmm. and then at the same time, this like jarring, like, you know, aggressive, riddiness. Yeah. Language. And then even the way he will shoot uh, some of the like gunshot scenes. I mean, it's not just like a teeny bit of blood. It's like a blood explosion. And it's almost like (laughs) comic. Some of the ways he does that stuff. And, you know, there's some scenes where like a, uh, one of the slaves is actually like, they send dogs to attack him, and it's just it's it's gruesome. I mean, it's Ugh, like even yeah. I was like, "Oh my god, that's tough to watch." I think um, he uses
0: some exaggeration in spots to to course, really drive home certain scenes, you know. So yeah. yeah,
2: but I got I got all kinds of fun facts for Big Nick on this one. <laughs> Hit me. This, yeah. this this one was packed with <laughs> fun facts. So I did. I did find the numbers. The uh, the N word was used a hundred sixteen oh, times. That's going to. That's
1: Holy an unfun shit. fact, my friend. That's yeah, un- way, way more than. Well, a well I, I, I told
2: you guys I was Jeez. trying to find the number, but one hundred sixteen Jeez. times is what it was reported. Um, Does anybody so, else feel uncomfortable? Yeah, <laughs> it was, it was <laughs> the, criminal f- fact. Yeah, not not necessarily fun. I'm sorry, but it was the first movie in sixteen years where Leonardo DiCaprio was not the top billed actor. Wow. Oh wow because he wasn't oh. the le- he wasn't technically the lead um on top of that so uh, DiCaprio played um I'm blanking on his name now Calvin Candy the slave owner in Mississippi Monsieur played- Calvin Cl- Candy yes, and he played a Just a huge asshole. Uh, (laughs) Huge asshole. Quentin Tarantino even said out of all of his characters he's created off all of his movies that Calvin J. Candy, played by Leonardo DiCaprio, was the only one that he completely despises. Hmm. Think about that. I mean, out of all the assholes he's created in movies, he was like, that's the one guy that when I made him, I just was like, oh, my God, I hate him. That's that guy? Yeah. So I thought that was interesting. Uh, there's a scene when Leonardo DiCaprio suspects that these that uh, Jamie Fox and Christopher Waltz are up to something, and he's at the table, like kind of trying to intimidate him. Oh yeah, he slams his hand on the table. Right. Well, by doing this, he accidentally smashes a glass and like cuts his hand. And he keeps going. So in the film, he literally cuts his hand, smashing this glass where he's, you actually could look, he's picking glass out of his hand. And that's like literally his blood. And that's that- a professional. <laughs> yeah. That's and a well, professional. So they said when they first yeah, cut yeah. the scene, all the other actors there, they, they stood up and applauded him. Cause they were like, dude, really? that was badass! You didn't break character. <laughs> and if you kind of watch it, you can see some, like, like some of the, the people that are also on screen are like, Oh, are we going to restart here? He's bleeding <laughs> and he keeps going and he and he's pick he's literally picking he's pieces of glass out of his hand. That's um, crazy. Which I thought that was quite interesting. I didn't see I didn't
0: pick up on that. That's that's interesting.
2: Yeah, um there was one other one I thought was so it I don't know throughout the whole movie but part of the scenes Jamie Foxx is riding a horse it's a, he's actually riding his own horse named Cheetah. Really? Really, Someone, he got it as a birthday present four years ago. So, you know, you're wealthy when you get horses. Hell of a birthday present. Or you
1: got good friends. I mean, when's the last time you guys gave me something
0: nice for my birthday? Guys, I haven't gotten a horse for my birthday. What the hell? (laughs)
1: <laughs> I would have nowhere to keep it. I, like, yeah. like I'd be keeping it in the garage. <laughs> yeah.
2: Thanks for this horse. It's going to cost me $50,000 a year to take care of. So, I'm, I'm of seeing here, garage?
1: Mr. B, out of the uh, movies directed by Quentin Tarantino, that this was the highest grossing at the box office. $426 million Ooh. that Django Unchained brought in. And I think... Part of that is the Tarantino name and franchise was maybe at its peak at that point. But, uh, you know, we had about three years since the last Tarantino directed film. And then, of course, you got DiCaprio and
2: Jamie Foxx. And I I, I don't know if this was I think this was after uh, Ray. Right. So I think think so. Jamie Foxx's name was. Very big name, uh, and think about that on top of a budget of only a hundred billion dollars. I mean, you quadruple your money. So yeah. I-, I wish I could have put fifty bucks in that pot, that would have been sweet. <laughs>
0: um, be like you can buy one shovel to uh, well, shovel. That was
1: shoot. a that was a great year for movies because I think it was as much as it brought in. It was the 16th highest grossing movie of 2012. Oh wow, so 426 sad. million. <laughs> It was a good well, year to be making movies.
2: Bad, Last fun fact I have is so pre-production, Christopher Waltz, they were, you know, they're doing like a horse training because they're riding horses through a bunch of the scenes. And he apparently uh, got tossed off a horse and like injured his pelvis. I don't know if he fractured it or something. So uh, Jamie Fox gave him a gift, which was a saddle with a belt on it. <laughs> <laughs> but if you rewatch the movie, the beginning scenes uh Christopher Waltz is actually not riding horse. He's riding a carriage because oh. I, I think his pelvis was still messed up and he couldn't yeah. ride a horse. So he's actually riding the cart with the little, the big tooth on the top. Yep. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. Oh. And, and he actually mentions it. I guess he was part of like an award ceremony and he said something like in the sense of, you know, I fell off a horse or something. you know I don't I don't remember yeah, what it's he the said, only kind of
0: fun facts you learned here at the big Kid show yeah, but very good job it's, it's worth Re- research team. it's
2: worth re-watching if you guys haven't seen it recently yeah, it's um, been a while ultimately I mean to me it's just it's a it's a love story it's you know ultimately Jamie Fox does whatever it is to get his wife who's also a slave and he's she's kept by this awful uh Monsieur Calvin candy and Mr. Candy. Ultimately he ends Not up jumping everyone's Candy. ass.
1: Yeah. <laughs> and little
2: Don Johnson is in there too. Don Johnson's in there. Yeah. It's I mean, the the list of people in it's quite high, but I think that's what uh, Tarantino can kind of do. He's like, I'm doing a film. Yeah. Big actors will be like, I'll take the role that's you know, four minutes because I'm intrigued in what you're gonna do and and the uh, the twists and turns that are gonna come in this film.
1: Well, and I don't think Don Johnson was particularly busy.
0: <laughs> hey, Don about that, that Miami Vice remake Yeah coming? you never know when Miami Vice is coming back <laughs> Very good Gentlemen alright well let's uh, let's Move on to the other tied for fourth Movie that we had uh-huh. And uh, this one man I love This movie Inglorious Bastards <laughs> Inglorious in At number four <laughs> Inglorious right, Which also good. who was in that film
2: Christopher Waltz Waltz,
0: amazing in that film, by the way. Christopher yeah. Waltz, I was going to say, he's kind of another Tarantino. Not I hate to say, I don't want to say tag along, because that sounds bad. I mean this in a positive way. It's like Samuel Jack, he, he carries these guys across multiple movies and girls. And well, uh, it's awesome.
1: And that see, that's what I love about Tarantino, right? And I know that he's, I, I'm a little confused on how it works in the movie biz, because I, you know, I went back and rewatched one of his movies for for preparation of this. And, and again, we don't know who picked what, what the final outcome of this countdown yeah. will be, the ranking would be. So it's it's great to see how it's playing out here. And then Glorious Bastards coming in and tied for fourth, tied with The Great Django Unchained. Uh, you know. I, the thing is with the casting, I saw in one of the movies that they listed two people as being in charge of the casting. And and maybe they're the ones that do the 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 signing the people and tracking them down or whatever. But I always felt like the director should be the guy casting or the or the woman casting everybody because it's kind of their vision, right? And with Tarantino, the thing that I love, I liken it to almost like football, like a, a good football coach, a good football GM building a team. And what Tarantino does, you see reoccurring actors throughout his films because it's like, oh, I worked with that woman or I worked with that guy and they were freaking great. They were great at their craft. They were easy to work with. They were team players. And so, you know what? when Next time I'm trying to make something great, I'm going to bring in greatness again and surround myself with greatness again. So I love when I see directors who to employ this type of tactic of, of bringing these person personnel back for to tell a different story. And uh so th- for me, one of one of the things that I loved about this movie, Inglorious Bastards, was the opening scene is freaking powerful, right? When the 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 quote Jew hunter, that's what is you know, don't don't anybody throw stones at me. That's, <laughs> that's what his title that's is. His, that's his title. Yeah. Uh the yeah. Jew hunter goes into that home and he has a sit down with the man of the house over a glass of milk and everybody knows why he's there there's no there's no uh misconception of why this man is there and that opening scene for me is is what a lot of the Tarantino movies are, right? Where you have these characters, and for whatever reason, there's, again, I already said there's a lot of bad people in these movies, in Tarantino movies. A lot of criminals, a lot of murderers, a lot of just terrible, horrible people. And these are the stories that he's choosing to tell. But oddly enough, in Tarantino movies, these horrible terrible people all have like a weird etiquette to them. Don't they, they all have like a smug politeness. Like they, and they do that in every movie, every Tarantino movie. And when they have that opening scene and in glorious bastards, the, the sit down over the glass of milk, where they're being polite with one another, where they're, where they're making no, you know, there's, there's no confusion why he's there. And he's there for, for terrible reasons. But it's, he it's a, behaves with a certain etiquette, right? A certain politeness about him. And that's how all these Tarantino characters are. And I think that's so unique and so, like, awesome. It's kind of mesmerizing and, and, and something that really easily dials me
0: into his films. That's a good point, man. I, I don't know if I ever really connected those dots. But now that you're mentioning that, like, as I start to really think about, you know, I mean... It's almost like some of his other movies where they there's there's their sit-downs and you're like, kind of like you mentioned earlier, like, these are bad dudes. Horrible people. Yeah, they're not, like, stand-up citizens. And the fact that there's these, like, very relaxed and very, you know, um, I I guess you could say normal-type conversations that don't seem that out of the ordinary. But then once you figure out true motives behind some of the characters, you look back at the conversations, you're like, wow, like how how did that how do we go from that to this like yeah that and escalated it escalated quickly
1: in that opening scene he's explaining to the man of the house meanwhile th- the man of the house is housing some you know jewish people he's trying to keep them safe and keep them alive and this jew hunter Shows up there and he's explaining to him basically like, hey, I, I don't do this because I hate the Jews. I do this because I want to be good at my job. And this is my job. And and it turns out he's really freaking good at it, unfortunately. Um, and and right. It's this weird etiquette, this smug politeness about him. Now, the other thing that I love about this movie, too, is when I was a, a wee little lad, a wee I, lad, I watched a movie called The Dirty Dozen. <laughs> and this is an old school movie from 1967 and it's about these like hardcore dudes that you assemble to go and take down the Nazis right and that's what inglorious bastards is you're put it you're basically piecing together kind of a team and a plot and uh piecing together this plan of taking down the, the leadership, you know, right? You, you, how do you kill a snake? You cut its head off. And that's kind of what they want to do to the Nazi party here. And, uh, it, I love it because it reminds me of the old Dirty Dozen movie Inglorious Bastards, Dirty Dozen. There you go. You got your homework out there, little kids and big kids to watch. Watch both of them.
2: <laughs> well, and just like you were saying with the, uh, I, I mean, going back Smug to Smug politeness. Yeah. Um, Leonardo DiCaprio's character, same thing. I mean, he was, you know, besides a couple small parts, he was very polite. He actually was like, you know, wanting to shake hands, which ultimately got him killed. In the previous movie, we were talking about and chain So good point. And now I kind of want to rewatch all his films because I think almost all of yeah. the bad guys have that same kind of feel about him. Of just, he does it in every film. And, and it gives you that eerie, like... Like because again, normally you think a bad guy like they should just be a monster. They'll they'll stick out. They'll be aggressive. But no, these are like these sneaky monsters that you know, like you can't be nice to me and also want to kill me. It's throwing me off.
1: Yep. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And Bj Novak makes a little. Uh, <laughs> oh, does he? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> from he's the, the very,
2: Yeah, from there the office,
1: he, nice. he made a little. Uh, made a part there.
0: <laughs> oh, no, that's a great movie. And you're right. Mr. P, I actually want to go back. This is this is definitely one that I, it's probably been three or four years since I've seen this one. But as I went back and like started to like look at some, like I'm pretty sure it's Brad Pitt. He's like, you're probably heard. We ain't in the prisoner taking business. We're in the Nazi killing business and the cousin business is booming. <laughs> like there's just there's so many little like liners, you know? I don't know. Any movie where you're taking out Nazis, that's always a good thing to me. But, um, but I mean, it, there's so many... Um standout type characters in Tarantino movies. It's never like you have one lead role guy and everybody else is clearly the secondary. There's so much star power in these movies. It, I think it makes them very rewatchable from that perspective as yeah, well. Yes.
2: So. And, and and I think that's why A, so many people want to be part of these films, because there's not small roles. There's, you know, there's huge actors playing great roles that just happen to be smaller time spots. You know what I mean? And I think that's what, you know, there's a reason why someone can command that. And like kind of going referring to what you said before, earlier, Big Nick, is, you know, the casting process is you kind of wonder a lot of that's probably done with Tarantino and producers. Yeah. I mean, the big name people, they, they don't get casted by a casting agent. I mean, they don't even probably audition. Like, do you think Leonardo DiCaprio auditioned for any of these films? No. It's more of just like, what's the feel? What's the what are we looking at here? And that's how he's able to get so many talented people on these films, because they they know like once they read part of the script, they're like, oh, my God, this is an actor's dream. I love this. Let's let's do this thing.
1: Well, and and Glorious Bastards is narrated by the great Samuel L. Jackson. So uh, we get to see another return of him in uh, teaming up with Quentin Tarantino once again. And you know what? People, there are no small roles, only small actors.
2: Exactly.
1: (laughs) Acting inglorious.
0: Inglorious. All right. That was a good one. So we have wrapped up number six, The Hateful Eight. We've wrapped up our two tied at number four, which is inglorious bastards (laughs) and Django Unchained. So that brings us up to our number three. Well, our top three, really. Um, so gentlemen, with our number three movie, we have once upon a time in Hollywood. And with this movie, I I have to throw this out there. This actually pains me to say this a little Uh bit. I'm going to let you guys run the show on this one because I Uh haven't seen this movie. This movie is on my to watch list. Boo this man. I have not been able to watch it. So Voter uh, listeners that could have affected the voting. I may have I may have skewered the uh, the voting results on this one. But uh, but I'm really well, you, curious to hear your guys' thoughts on it. So, so, so to take it I, away here, Jim. So here's my thought then
2: is the fact that if you clearly didn't watch it, which means you voted it low and it still got number three. Yes. Shows yes. us something there. But so th- film agree. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, released July 2019, a yep. budget of Ninety-ish million. I've seen some different numbers, so we'll just call it ninety million. Uh Box office came back at three hundred seventy-four million. So not bad. Not a, I would like to put fifty dollars in that one as well. I would. I would have tripled my money. Another shovel. So this is a film. Um, again, it's much newer film. So it, we could have some spoiler alerts here. So if you're wanting to watch it hit pause, go watch it, come back, make fun of Mark, whatever you want to do. But it's <laughs> so inevitable. It's, it's set in 1969 Los Angeles. Uh, it follows um, Leonardo DiCaprio plays a fading actor who's more of like a TV <laughs> actor and kind of the change that's happening in Hollywood with film. Um, and then he's with his stunt double, who is Brad Pitt. Right. And kind of follows them around as they're trying to like negotiate Like kind of not necessarily the decline of his career, but the twilight years where he's nearing the end, trying to get in films. Uh, This one had tons and tons of stars in this film, Um, and then ultimately the film, like kind of, if it follows them through this process, going through Hollywood, and then culminates the end with the Sharon Tate murders.
1: Yeah,
2: and it kind of gives you an alternate reality of what would happen if that stuff would have happened around Brad Pitt <laughs> um, well, and, and, and Leo. <laughs> yeah. Well, yes. And, and ultimately, it, I mean, if you guys have seen it, yeah. the most bad, the most badass thing in that movie, it's the dog, dude. Oh, that freaking the, dog is awesome. Hey, what, what, what's Brad Pitt? He's just, he just does a click and that dog just chews Rip on everybody. Your face off, son. Yeah. <laughs> so if, if, you know, with the, the Sharon Tate murders and, uh, charles manson and all that stuff it gives you a whole respin of what that would look like if you broke into brad pitt's house you would get <laughs> your, you would get jacked up but um again i love the movie I, I i think i i love that whole like you're watching you're watching and then that scene happens and it's just like hits you like a ton of bricks you're like holy crap what is happening here um I, don't, I mean, I don't even know how to go into it just because so much stuff happens in that short, little, like, nine minute fight scene at the end. Um, let's let's just say what. it ends with Leonardo da Crappio.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh,
2: you've just made how an you enemy. Really feel about um, him. You just made hey, an enemy. No, uh, I, I love Leonardo. But let's just say he pulls out a flamethrower. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, my God. Yes, there's a flamethrower in the movie. There's wow. a flamethrower involved. A chick takes a. Uh, a can of dog food to the face. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, Another girl gets her head bashed into like literally everything in the uh, house. Dude, her
1: face and head look like hamburger meat by the end, by the time they're done with her.
2: And to preface it, uh, like some of the backstory. So Brad Pitt plays a, you know, a stunt, Double, but
1: the, like the most badass man you've ever yeah, met. So there's a he's, he's scene like
2: ex, he's like ex military and like super tough guy. So you know, ultimately, if he's like, I'm gonna kick your ass, he's gonna kick your ass and your whole family's ass. There's a scene in the movie where he's he beats up Bruce Lee. Yes. What? Yes. So so, so again, the <laughs> not movie the real guy, Bruce Lee, obviously, but oh, it's yeah, supposed to yeah, be yeah, Bruce yeah. Lee. Of course. So the the film kind of like goes through a lot of these like, you know, mentioning. Hollywood greats. And so one of them is Bruce Lee. And in the scene, he beats the shit out of Bruce Lee. Like he takes Bruce Lee. <laughs> no and throws, problem with Bruce he Lee. He throws yeah. him into a car. Wow! And our big kid research team is on top of it. They actually saw. So Shannon Lee is Bruce Lee's daughter. And she was pretty disappointed of how they portrayed her father.
0: <laughs> yeah. It you would know what? I do remember
2: it, hearing about that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, cause cause in the film, the guy that played Bruce Lee was Mike Mo, M O H. Like he played him very cocky. Yeah. You know. Yeah, he was uh, kind of a dick. Yeah. So, huh. but the, again, Quentin Tarantino even goes into he's like, "Hey, it's a movie, so relax." But um <laughs> if, if you want to see Brad Pitt beat up a guy playing Bruce Lee, I mean, he like literally throws him into a car and like dents Wait, are, the car.
0: Are you saying people overreact to things?
2: No I, way. I,
1: no, that, I've, that's not been my experience no, on this planet. really <laughs> I think
0: people are very even keeled. Oh yeah, maybe, maybe it was controversial. It Everyone acts time.
2: appropriately all of the time. Yes, yeah. But so uh, going back to so uh, I I think it was you, Big Nick, that said the, the or maybe Mark. Sorry, the um one movie we were talking about where the ending was leaked. Yeah, the hateful uh, eight. Thank you. Yeah. So yeah. when he did this film. Uh, Quentin Tarantino, he he had the only copy of the third act, which was mm-hmm. that end scene. And he kept it in a safe to prevent it from being released. The only other people that read it in the entirety was Leonardo DiCaprio. Um, I'm blanking on her name. Uh, Margot Robbie, Robbie and yep. Brad Pitt. They were the only yep. ones that read it. And then apparently uh, he's the the other copy that was out there, he like burned it. Like he was like, there's no way this wow. ending is getting uh, released because I'm assuming because of that incident, he's like, no, this has to stay secret be- because the ending was such a, like a bombshell in, in the ending of how they kind of basically.
1: It's one of the best endings to any movie I've ever seen. Like, yeah. uh, I, here's the, here's a couple thoughts that I have on this movie. First off. Magic Mark, I am incredibly envious of your position in life at this moment. (laughs) I would love to go back to when I had not experienced this movie yet and experience it again for the first time. It's so freaking good. It was probably it came out 2019. It might be my favorite movie. I don't, you know, don't have a rundown of movies of 2019 in front of me, but I. I can easily say comfortably say here that I think it was probably my favorite movie of 2019. It was probably my favorite movie within a handful of years, to be honest with you. I yeah. thought the movie was so surprisingly good. Like I, I, I don't know why, but I did, I wasn't excited to see the movie and that really? is rare for me with a Quentin Tarantino film. Mm. And I decided to watch it late at night on vacation. Uh, and I, Dude, I was freaking blown away. Like, I was so pumped up. It was one of those movies, like, I felt like I was 10 times stronger after (laughs) I watched it because I was so jacked up from watching the movie. And I'm going to give a quick little shout out here to one of my favorite uh, talk radio people, Mark Sessler on the Around the NFL podcast podcast. I believe this is his favorite movie of all time, and wow. so I want to give a shout out to Mark Sessler, who is one of my favorite, uh, one of my favorite football analysts. One of my favorite—I don't even know what job, what his job title is, but uh, podcaster, TV personality, whatever. He's one of my favorites, and I believe this is his favorite movie of all time. He references it like you would not believe. Uh, so,
0: shout out to Sessler. So this one, like, I got to get this. So uh-huh. there's certain movies where you're like, yes, you nah, do. I just don't want to see that. Like, no, I, I wanted to see it from the minute I saw the previews of this. I wanted to see this movie. It's one of those things where it just never, you know, sometimes you'll see, you'll see previews for a movie and obviously movie theaters, everybody's no, kind of had their own opinion of movie theater since 2020, whatever. You know, it's one of those things where it just never came across, I guess, in front of me. Probably just never really. I don't think it's been streaming on any platform.
2: No, it's still not point. really
0: unless you want to literally buy it off. You of, got to rent it. On Amazon. Yeah, yeah, you got to buy it. Yeah. So I guess I just never got to the point where I, you know, did that. But, but no, I, I really would like to go see this movie. So the fact that you guys, when I saw it came in as number three. If anything, it actually solidified my reason to be like, all right, I need to go pay the whatever it is, eight bucks to go rent this on Amazon Prime or wherever the hell I can get it and uh, and check it out. Well, well and,
1: and, and Leo, what were you calling him? Leonardo Decaprio? Di- me. Um, that, was,
2: that was a slip. <laughs> so
1: I guess if we're going to call him Leonardo Decaprio, Di- we should probably call Brad, Brad shit.
0: <laughs> Brad um, but dude, We love you Pitt, guys we're not making enemies Pitt on this
1: show and DiCaprio are freaking brilliant in this movie first of all, all. the back
2: and forth is awesome and to
1: give Magic Mark like the just kind of the quick rundown like DiCaprio's character is a is a guy that like always second guesses himself he kind of hates himself and Brad Pitt's character is the type of dude that has never come up against a situation that he cannot handle. And, and he's but, the backup guy, right? And, he's they're the, best, he's and they become, guy. they're like practically best friends. And so, so they're funny. like, they're like a, a duo in the movie. And, uh, Hey, w- maybe when we do one of our, our movie duos, maybe this is one that, that makes it, uh, for, for that time period. Yeah. And, and when crazy. I,
2: again, so we can kind of tie to some fun facts, but, uh, the, that their kind of um, relationship is based off Kurt Russell and his stunt double for many years, John Casino, and also based off Burt Reynolds and his longtime stunt double, Hal Needham. So, I mean, this is stuff that I think kind of exists in Hollywood where you kind of hang out with your stunt double and, you know, one guy's this amazing actor. The other guy lives in a trailer and, you know. But, you know, they formed this relationship, which I thought was kind of cool. Um, yeah, that is cool. Two, yeah, well, more, two, yeah. more, two more quick fun facts. You
0: guys got yeah, to get Yeah, please, please.
2: So. Sorry, I've run out of time. Oh, okay. <laughs> so Brad Pitt had, drives a cream Cadillac, right? Well, that Cadillac belonged to a guy we already mentioned earlier, Michael Madsen, which also appears in a movie that we probably are about to talk about here soon. So this cream Cadillac clearly is so <laughs> badass that uh, Quentin Tarantino is like, guess what? We're putting this in multiple films.
1: Well, Michael Madsen needed the money so bad he had to rent his car out for the movie, <laughs> and he probably yeah, right.
2: got he probably got paid to use his yeah. car. Um, but also, so um, uh, Leonardo DiCaprio, not DiCaprio, um, again wanting to work with Tarantino again, he actually took a pay cut to do this film. Apparently he yeah. took like a twenty five percent pay cut, which at the There's time he loyalty there. Yeah, well, or just I mean, at some point he took a pay cut of twenty five percent less than his normal twenty million dollars salary. So, I mean, yeah. he'll be he'll be okay. I think he'll be all right. right. He'll make it.
0: That's what you're saying. <laughs> he's not,
2: he's not going to have to, like, you know. I don't know. Uh, I'm worried about him. I'm awfully I'm worried, worried about, about him. He, he might have to, like, not buy that fourth Ferrari. So okay. he'll probably be okay. Um, but the last one, this is kind of a deep. Track. He's
1: got money, but he ain't got Michael Madsen
2: money. No. <laughs> um, there's a scene where there's a guy that plays Roman Polanski. And Roman Polanski is spotted like walking to his car and he's wearing the almost identical outfit that uh, Jamie Foxx wears early on in Django Unchained, the blue like velour suit with the fluffy little thing on his neck. Mm -hmm. And it's based off a painting, uh, Thomas Gainsborough's painting, the blue boy. So kind of like a super connecting of films that,
0: That that's in there, but just thought that's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, there is some connections between different movies. I think even with Inglorious Bastards, um, there was uh, well, I'm going to butcher it, so I won't say it. But there's like somebody in the Hateful Eight that actually is supposed to be he has a nephew or something like that that's in Inglorious Bastards. So he he creates these kind of weird relationships between his movies. So
2: well, and even talk
0: like the um,
2: there's a fake ad for uh, uh, Apple Red Apple cigarettes. Yeah. And, and Which that, is from Pulp Fiction. That's like the cigarette that he uses throughout his films is this fake cigarette uh, red apples or something. So, Give me a pack of red apples. Yeah. So <laughs> I, I mean, I it, Big Mark, I th- I think at the minimum you should watch that like tonight. Yes. yes. Tonight. Not tomorrow. I, I mean to actually tonight. Big Nick and I will each chip in three bucks so you can rent it on Amazon. Now we're talking. Now yeah. we're talking. I mean, just so we can have
0: it cost 12 bucks. (laughs) You know what? I'll give you 12 bucks, buddy. My man, my man.
2: (laughs) Again, I think you'll just, you'll love the ending. There's the, the list of people that are in the, in the film is, I mean, uh, Jesus, what's his name's in the film. Uh, Jesus is in there. Yeah. He, uh, he gets typecast a lot. uh, (laughs) He he does. (laughs) Hang on, my, my notes got shuffled because Mark threw me all off when he said he hasn't watched it in a long time, but uh what I do then. Let's see here. So Leonardo DiCaprio, Brad Pitt, Margot Roby, Emile Hirsch, Tim- Timothy Oliphant, Dakota Fanning, Bruce Dern, Luke Perry, Al Pacino. Um Al Pacino is in it? Yes. I mean, wow. Kurt Russell Kurt Russell is actually a small role, and he's the narrator. Um Rumor Willis. Uh People that I can't even pronounce their name. So it's just, I mean, when shy away de- from that. When he does these <laughs> films, I think people are like, I'll take whatever you got, you know, like, yeah. and I think even some of the people probably did it for close to nothing.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, just especially, Just to
2: say they're on a film.
0: There's not really a good time to say this. So I'll just say it now, especially when you have Tarantino saying that he's made his last movie. It kind of makes you wonder if people are like, I need to get on the train while the train's in the station because it might be the last run. Uh,
1: And you know what? For all of you uh, great actors and actresses out there, Big Nick, I'm making my last movie. So flock, flock, flock. I'm making my last movie. It's in the works. I want, you know, everybody take a pay cut. Come work for me. Uh, This is going to be cinema gold. Uh, Track history. This is your chance. Uh, This this is is your chance. chance. It's your last chance. Last it, last chance. You know Big I'm Nick talking too. to you Nick Cage. You know I'm talking to you buddy. Big, Big Nick, I'll oh, play yeah. the I'll play the second lead. We'll see if we can find something for you. There's a janitor <laughs> position that
0: uh, yeah. Mr. B can fill. You can play the guy that's tree number two. <laughs> You'll be uh, Kramer from UHF. <laughs> oh, dude, there's no way I can pull that off. <laughs> all right, all right. Let's kick it into the top two. So we're getting down to the nitty-gritty. And uh, anybody who's a Tino fan knows it's probably between two of them here. So Coin this is... flip. It's getting dicey here. So... For our number two selection, top Tarantino directed films, number two comes in as Reservoir Dogs. <laughs> Reservoir Dogs. So this was Tarantino's first directed movie back in 1992. He wrote it. He directed
2: oh, it. 92. I didn't know. He
0: acted I, I... in it. Yeah, this this is this one goes back, and uh, he actually funded some of this from the True Romance script that he had had written. Um, he wrote the script for Reservoir Dogs in three and a half weeks, and they filmed it in thirty five days. I know it was a quick turnaround because That's
2: crazy. And if you, like, rem- if you remember the film, like they cut to a lot of scenes to save on expense, right? Um, and it's one that, like, you almost, like, as we say that, go back and watch it again. You're like, actually, yeah, They most of the film is shot in, like, two different sets.
0: Like a diner or a warehouse?
2: In so, a, a car. In a backseat of a car, yeah.
0: So so what was the budget for uh, Django? You said $100 million in that ballpark? Uh, yes. So this one cost $1.2 Which, you got, <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm, the cameras alone are, like, you know. $30,000. <laughs> yeah. Now, the thing that surprised me on this one was the fact that it only made two point nine in the box office. So, this one was actually not a big box office hit. Cult um, classic. Cult classic. Yes. Thank you, Big Nick. That was the exact words I was thinking as well, because it, it kind of had that creeper effect. I think the first time I saw this was on DVD, so like me and a lot of people I knew- you know, uh,
2: any anyone that says they saw it in the theater is either going to act like they're a art art hipster or they're lying. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, exactly.
2: There's
1: so, a lot of liars um, in this
0: country. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, I mean, this movie I think is. So when you were talking earlier about the um, the conversation piece and the very like smugness that that kind of comes across, I think the diner scene fully falls into that criteria, oh, yeah. Big Nick. You know what I mean? Where the guys are all sitting around the table and Mr. Pink's like, I don't tip. <laughs> what do you mean you don't tip? What do you, what do you mean you don't tip? I don't tip. We've been we've been sitting here for 30 minutes.
2: She only filled up my tip. coffee four no, I times. Tip. I want my coffee filled up nine times. <laughs>
0: <laughs> only Busemi could pull that off. And it's funny because this, this movie, they switched the role or... Tarantino struggled to figure out what roles he was going to be Mr. Pink at one point, and uh, he ended up, you know, coming off of that, but he also, uh, I think there was a dinner that he had hosted with a lot of the guys, and I, there's a quote, I'm going to paraphrase, because I don't have the exact quote, but essentially it's like, don't F this up, man. Like, the the chemistry between these guys is amazing. Like, I don't have to do a whole lot of craziness oh. here, because the chemistry between all these guys Is simply amazing, you know. So just play it out, and
2: I'd be curious. Like you said, what you said, the budget. There are some pretty big names. That acted in this. That clearly they wanted to do this for the Michael writings. Madsen. I mean, well, come Michael on, Madsen. Michael Madsen, Buscemi. Uh, I mean, uh, Har- Harvey Keitel. Uh, who's it's the because other guy. of this
1: movie, he's able to buy that cream colored Cadillac.
2: Well, the cream colored Cadillac was in that <laughs> film already, bud. So nice try. But
0: um, <laughs> speaking of Michael Madsen, so you guys remember one of the most. Well, one of the craziest scenes in the whole movie stuck is him in the middle with the with police you. officer yes. stuck in the middle with you. So stuck in a middle. here's a quote Cutting from Michael the ear Madsen, off of dude. Yeah, the cop. I mean, so so there's a scene, or, or it, during that scene, he there's a little dance that he does to the in the middle of oh, you. Yeah. So here's here's a, here's a, a quote from Michael tonight. Madsen in regards to that. He's talking to Tarantino. They're on a panel, and they're talking about the movie, and he says. You never made me do it in rehearsal because I was so intimidated. I didn't know what to do in the script it said, Mr. Blonde maniacally dances around. And I kept thinking, what the fuck does that mean? Like Michael Jagger or what? Like, what the fuck am I going to do? Michael (laughs) Jackson, what do we want me to do here? Yeah. So, I mean, you know, he completely, the very first time he did that dance was when they filmed it. So the one you see in film is the very first time he did it and he did it completely off the cuff and that and the is fact the fact that we genius all remember it, you Michael guys both just did a little dance when i mentioned that oh, shows yeah. how much that sticks now this scene also caused quite a stir when it came to the pre-screenings so tarantino said it got to a point and i've mentioned what this are you in one of our past episodes but um Most walkouts in a single screening (laughs) of this during this scene was 33 people got up and left.
2: So (laughs) My my question is early on, did they actually show the ear cutting scene? Because in the film, the final cut, they actually. So he's dancing. He's getting ready to cut his ear. And then the camera pans away. Yeah, no, remember?
0: not that I know of. So uh, it, it's the fact I mean, of just the entire scene. people? Hurt,
1: they are hurting just thinking about that scene.
0: Guess who one of the people was that walked away? And again, I, I mentioned this. I don't know if you guys know Mike Tyson. This. Stephen <laughs> King. Wes Craven. Oh, uh, yeah, squeamish. Wes Craven. You don't Black like the blood. Candle, you don't the the like horror. Blood.
2: the blood. The horror. The horror. And I think the, 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 the power of that is like, the, the buildup of I'm about to cut your ear off. And then it's like, I don't even have to show you just yeah. like a little bit of sound and the mute, that music's playing again, a uh, Steeler's wheel. It, such it's such a good song too. Oh, And and then uh, as we're talking about the soundtrack for that film Amazing. is worth buying or at least playing on something because it, every song is good.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah. Love it. Well, and it's funny because they shot it in July through August um or july and part of august i should say in los angeles so they put him in a stuffy warehouse full of a bunch of strobe lights you know like bright lights that you have to use for filming so the guys basically said it was like filming in an oven and do you guys remember the scene where um mr is it mr white um roth um Ah, what's the actor's name? I'm blanking on his name. His last name's Roth. Tim Roth, Tim Roth. right? Tim yeah, Roth. Tim Roth. Yeah. Tim Roth. So he gets shot. The undercover he's cop. laying in the, uh, the fake blood, right? Yeah. Well, in the real blood in the movie, but the fake blood. So, there's an issue where he was forced to lay there for an extended period of time, and the heat made it solidify, and it actually pinned him to the floor. <laughs> oh, he got when stuck. When he was filming <laughs> that, so they had to, like, pry him off the floor. Yeah, because he, lay, he
2: lays there for a while, and he actually, like, at yeah. some point, like, like, the assumption he's dead, if you remember. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah I, I could see that happening, where he's just laying there, and if it's 100 degrees, and you got this vacant like, gross... It, yeah, probably like caramelized or whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Well, I Crazy think
1: I see. think they use like corn syrup and a, f- a yeah. few different things to make that fake blood, yeah. and that corn corn syrup is going to get sticky. Yeah. It's going to get sticky. sticky well, and I have to get a
2: shout out to my boy, uh, Fish. No, we only do one shout out per Fish episode. Fish gets the shout out. So we've met Fish the quota. Was- Fish was like, You have to watch this movie, Reservoir Dogs. And I'm like, What the hell is this Reservoir Dog? And I, we watched it. That's how old we it was, school was. We watched it on VHS. There you go. And I was like, Oh my What's God. That? Yeah. Well, because you had Betamax in your house, weirdo. <laughs> uh,
1: I'm too young. I don't know what VHS but, is. But, uh,
0: Shit, now that I'm thinking of it, I think it was VHS. I said DVD. I'm pretty sure it was VHS yeah, well. yeah, it. Watched I watched it on, it on VHS.
2: VHS as well. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Wow. And, thinking, and it, it just, just blew up. In my, my VCR. Mind. I mean, it just—it was. That? It just shows again going back to Quentin Tarantino's storytelling ability. I mean, yeah. he just tells the story of, you know, a botched bank robbery, and then you have all these characters, and each person, even with, I mean, really everyone kind of has a small role, but it melds into no. this. Amazing there are film. no small roles, only I mean, small actors. Small
0: time on film is what I meant.
2: So.
1: Okay. Yes, yes.
0: Indeed. Well, I'll throw one last fun fact, and then we'll Ooh, get fun to our number one Ooh. here, guys. Um, we mentioned the profanity that gets used throughout Tarantino movies. Um, I didn't notice F-word, it. The F word? 272 times. 272. <laughs> So only a couple times. Fuck only that. a couple.
2: <laughs> fuck that. <laughs> well, shit? <laughs> this
0: is some bullshit. What the fuck?
2: Sounds sounds uh, like a, a sounds like we a set t- record. <laughs> I actually
0: said to Mr. B before we started filming. I was like, this is going to be the one episode it's going to be hard not to drop the album. I think I, I pretty think sure we're going to set a record. record. Yeah. Yeah, we already a have a I'm new big sure kid record. record. Hey, 207 yeah.
2: times. That's like a Tuesday at Big yeah. Nick's house. So, no, 72.
1: Our big parents are going to kick the crap out of us with yeah
0: exactly sorry mom (laughs) all right i learned it from these guys i swear it's their fault i didn't do it (laughs) all right so let's let's move on to number one i imagine anybody who's a tarantino fan i can't imagine there's a whole lot of surprise i will say this this was a unanimous number one board from all three of us on this without further ado pulp Fiction, takes the crown and the number one greatest Tarantino directed movie of all time.
1: Well, you talk about profanity and all I have to say is any of you fucking pricks move and I'll execute every motherfucking last one of you. <laughs> This movie, my god. I cannot wait until we do like our top 10 favorite movies of all time because this for me is on somewhere on that list. I freaking love this movie. It's it's really like a collage of different stories that all kind of find their ways to weave into one another throughout the throughout the, the story, throughout the movie. But uh, you want to talk about just stellar performances, everything from uh, Bruce Willis to Samuel. Samuel L. Jackson, this is when, when you watch this, like you watch Samuel in this movie and you go, that is acting right there. That is that's a master class in acting by Mr. Samuel L. Jackson there. And then, you know what? How about this? I'll tell you. If you would have told me in the early '90s that we're going to have this guy that's going, that's doing "Look Who's Talking," one, two, and whatever, <laughs> you know, he's he's this guy that's trying to date Kirstie Alley, and and uh, but oddly enough, Bruce Willis is doing the voice for that little kid in the in the yeah, "Look Who's Talking" yeah, movies, Small World, and, and then in 1994, he's going to play a long-haired heroin addicted hitman. Yeah. John Travolta I this is one of his
2: best roles of all time v- well, Vincent wasn't Vega a, uh, wasn't yeah. wasn't Travolta like this was kind of his Resurgence. resurgence. He kind of had yeah. a little gap there because he did, you know, the whole seventies and eighties, and not just his off. resurgence, but
1: it's also like proof—the proof is in the pudding—that he can play a different kind of character, that yeah, he doesn't a, have a, to be the dark. good boy, yeah, and he doesn't have to be the dancing guy or, or the good boy or the guy that you want to date. This is a guy that led he the face off. He's a complex <laughs> character. It's a complex character, and uh, and. The other thing too here, Mark, it's got one of your, it's got your boy Steve Buscemi, plays yeah. the the waiter. Uh, how I'm do you want that steak, uh, compadre? <laughs> how do you want that steak, burnt to a crisp or bloody, <laughs> bloody as hell? Bloody as hell, bloody as hell. And and let's not forget the hottest the hottest scene in all of cinematography. I'm talking about four dudes, two of them stripping down, nips out, bare ass in the yard of a suburban community, getting hosed down in the backyard and... (laughs)
2: Wait, where are we going here? <laughs> I'm talking
1: about middle-aged men getting hosed down in, in their backyard. You know what, what I'm talking that, about. Uh, hey, we got Samuel L. Jackson and John Travolta, they're, they're stripping down and they're getting har- hosed down by Harvey, Cartel, Harvey Keitel while uh, – Irving well,
2: cartel. We
0: got all kinds of slips of the tongue. Well, uh,
1: Quentin Tarantino's just making fun of them
2: too. Uh, what well, he's, he's like? He's like, hey, what do they look like? Dorks. They look like dorks. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and this film was so good. So, um, a handful of years ago, my wife and I went at, for Halloween as Vincent Vega and uh, Marcellus Mia, Wallace's wife. Yes. So and she even had the like a uh, blood on her nose and we nice. tried we tried to do the twist it didn't come off but uh, we won we won best uh, uh, couples costume that year so props to that big guy.
1: What country is this? What do they speak English and what <laughs> say? What again? <laughs> say what again? I dare
2: you. <laughs> do you mind if I have a bite of your tasty burger? <laughs> you pay five dollars for a milkshake. Well-
1: and that scene right there too also illustrates that etiquette that that smug politeness of yeah. the characters when Samuel L. and John Travolta walk into that apartment with the expectation that they are killing every person in that apartment, but they're going to have this long talk with them
2: before before that happens. Well, and, and again, this is so something that when I rewatched this, and this was maybe a year ago right before they walk in. So they walk up to the door and they check the time. And uh, he they, says, he's like, Oh, it's a, uh, it's whatever, too early. Nine 35. He's like, let's hang back for, you a second. know, it's seven 22. Yeah. Seven 22. So and he's they, like, it's
1: not quite time
2: yet. So they actually wait. Like, you know, they go and they have a little chat and then they go knock on the door, which shows you this calculated something. I mean, again, they're, they're murderers and they're criminals, but I just thought that was an interesting little piece of like, why can't we just knock on the door now? No, because we were told to do it at a set time.
1: Yeah. They're professionals. They yeah. are very professional. Now, if you've not seen this movie yet, I, I hate to do spoiler alert. Like I do spoiler alert. If it's you a movie, that's like,
2: a movie from 94, right?
1: If it's like three months old, four months old, whatever, I'll do spoiler alert. But here, here if you've not watched it yet, then you've never intended to watch it.
0: Yeah. Now, you haven't made it to our number one choice. Of-
1: <laughs> it's in, it's incredibly sad. It's a, incredibly sad that John Travolta's character Vincent Vega does not survive the movie. I mean, it, I, it, I I it do not want to live in a an, world where John Travolta does not survive every single movie that he's in. Uh, I think it's it rare takes that an he, Uzi in the toilet. That's yes, right. right. <laughs> a, a suppressed Uzi at that. Which, yeah. Right. Well, I don't have well, one of those lying
0: around. There's so many crazy scenes I. in this movie. I mean, you think about the fast, uh, the uh, restaurant scene with a couple sitting there. You think about the basement scene with the uh, with Bruce Willis and Marcellus Wallace.
1: No, I don't think about that. I don't. Yeah, that's think about actually that.
0: That. that is legit the most disturbing. Go get Probably the gim in that oh, entire God. entire movie. Zed's dead, baby. Zed's dead. Yeah, I he mean, should be.
2: And I, <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I think it shows you again Quentin Tarantino's storytelling ability i I mean it's like again we're just rattling off these parts these are all these intermingled stories which is again perfect title of pulp fiction where i mean if we if you try to explain this film to someone they'd be like uh you sound like an idiot (laughs)
0: It's almost because hard to like if you I almost you can't had to do look at the summary because it, it's like what is it like there's so much stuff going on I, you know the parts you know what happens you know but as far as like somebody like give me the cliff notes it's like uh there's you some cool shit that happens because <laughs> and, and the
2: way it time jumps back and forth yeah. and and then there yeah. it like every once in a while it's you'll not get the, in order it doesn't it's no. not played out in order either and i I love that I mean that's I think that was one of the first films again. What was this 94 did we say 90. yep. so you know I was a pretty still pretty young kid and I'm like oh my god I'm, i love the storytelling like where were all these movies at in my life I am completely enamored of how this story is being told um and it's and it's done in a way where you immediately grasp onto
0: the, each little piece you know well and one of I think one of my favorite scenes we mentioned it already but I just have to point this out. One of my favorite scenes has to be when they do go into that apartment. Like, I think there's oh, so, w- such a great scene. That, is like,
2: that the, is that the like opening two scenes? Cause I think they're driving in the car. Scene. Yeah. They're driving uh, in the car. Then they pull in and go in there. And
1: yeah, yeah. yeah. I guess it would be the, th- maybe it's, I don't know how movies work. Maybe it's a third by that point. Yeah, But,
0: but I mean, just. There's so many one line, like from the Bible verse to the. Let me shoots the dude on the couch. He's like, "Oh, I'm sorry. Did I break your concentration? <laughs> like what? Like is there a more badass line than I just shot the guy next to you? Oh, did I throw you off? <laughs> oh, Big Kahuna Burger. Mm, mm, look at the that's a tasty on bread. burger. <laughs> well, and so we.
2: This is completely off topic, but we. Uh, we i went to a wedding like 5 or 6 years ago and there was a guy that was like working the wedding like he was like a server and he had the same exact hair as samuel jackson the jerry curl yeah, nice. so the course. I'm the working whole, on one.
0: I'm working so the on one. Whole I have time, to introduce myself to that guy. The whole time
2: we're at the wedding, me and my brother and a couple people, we're we'll walking around going, "Say what again?" Yeah, <laughs> or oh, we're like, "Can I have a bite of your tasty burger?" What does I mean, Marcellus I mean, Wallace look like? Yeah. <laughs> <We laughs> he looks like what? a bitch. <laughs> oh, I was running, and of course, as the uh, rum and cokes were flowing, uh, I was just going, going rampant with Yar. Pulp Fiction quotes.
0: So <laughs> that's hilarious. <laughs> That's hilarious. Well, gentlemen, that's an awesome top six. I will say, uh, I don't know if there's any honorable mentions that you guys want to throw out there. Um, That uh, I think Big Nick is the only one out of the three of us that nailed at least getting all of his movies into the top six. Me and Mr. B both had one that fell out of the uh, top six. So I had Kill Bill and Brian, you had Grindhouse, Death Proof, yeah, as your number six. Um, I hate to throw this on you, but I, I, I thought this was hilarious. So I should read a, a movie quote that Tarantino said he thought Death Proof was his worst movie ever. <laughs> <laughs> what? I was really? like, Oh man! And Brian put it at number six, but that was a that was a very um, like play on slasher movie type. Well,
2: it was like purposely do, done to be like a beat be that move. way. Yeah, It was yeah, like a beat, it, a beat, with Rodriguez. Like a a B-movie. It It was like the whole goal. So, so no, I appreciate it as being a B-movie.
0: But the fact uh, that, like, Tarantino didn't have a bad one, so the fact that, like, he he only made 10, I mean, he almost couldn't go wrong picking any of them. I just thought it was was actually a little surprising that he said that personally, but, you know.
2: Well, Quentin Tarantino uh, doesn't know what he's talking about. Well, and I'll say this. (laughs)
1: School this man. (laughs) I'll say this, Mark. As good as Kill Bill was... It only made your top six because you are yet to see. Once upon a yes. time in Hollywood,
0: and, this and is a must-watch for you. Yeah, I, I will agree with you. I will agree with you. I don't. I don't think it would have made the list, especially based on what you guys are saying. With, with
2: and, and I, Hollywood. I just I for whatever reason I didn't really like Kill Bill. I mean, it, it wasn't Me too. bad. It wasn't bad. Like I didn't hate it. I just like like if you were like, hey, we're gonna watch Kill Bill, tonight, I'd be like, I eh, pass. Like I'd rather watch something else i just it
0: didn't yeah. it didn't grab me in Versus- i think there's quite a few people that, that that was the case surprisingly considering how popular it was i i think it was a little divisive in that way yeah sure so
2: so so uh marcus do you what were the other two films that we missed that didn't make the well list? there were
1: two kill bills so there's okay. kill bill that- volume one that- and volume two and then death proof uh there's well, so- he, he's done nine
2: films so, hey, no, there's one more that we're missing because he did when he did Grindhouse. Jackie did, Brown. Jackie, Jackie Brown's Brown. the other one that yep. we're missing. Okay. And Jackie Brown was actually a quite good film, too. But just yeah. see, I, I need to go back. You had and that watch on, actually, that no, I took that back.
0: You had that on your list as well. Mister. I B. did have so, Jackie Brown. So don't yeah, be. Yeah, you had that me. as number five. So there was three movies. That, Which
2: um, Samuel Jackson things. was in that as well.
1: Yep.
0: I See, in,
1: uh, straight up confession here, boys and girls. I've not seen Jackie Brown since 1997 when it came out. So maybe I didn't give it a fair shake there where like Pulp Fiction, Reservoir Dogs are two movies that are older than Jackie Brown. I've seen them since then multiple times. Um, But uh, maybe I need to go back and watch Jackie Brown again to, to have a better appreciation
0: of it. Well, I see a Tarantino movie marathon in my future. Well, so we've so,
2: talked about this. We got uh, we got game night coming up. We got Tarantino film night. So it sounds like neither one of us is going to be going to work for like a weekend. <laughs> like we might as well just be like calling to work. Be like we're going to need like seven days off. We got a lot of doing stuff. Big to do kid here. research and hey, it's research. Yeah, because our, our research team's dropping the ball here. So we got to do something.
1: <laughs> got to hey. pick up your sticks. And you know what? Skip work and hang out with the big kids, or go to work and listen to us in your ear balls. Plug in those earbuds and check us out. Check out next week's show of the big kids. Show. Oh, hey! By the way, Big Nick. Hey, no.
2: By the way, go ahead. Oh, you know, you know, you know what wallet is? It's the wallet that says "bad motherfucker."
1: Oh, you had to throw in another f bomb. <laughs>
0: What the way to end the show, gentlemen. What an awesome list. That was our top six. You guys agree, disagree, let us know. We are the Big Kids Show. We appreciate you guys hanging out. Like I said, please like, please subscribe, please hit us up. Let us know your thoughts. Until next time, we are the Big Kids. Yay!